honor to the Lord Jesus Christ, who is the absolute head of my life, without whom I am nothing, and with whom I am exactly who he called me to be. Do you love him? I love him. We give you glory today, Lord. It is our honor to be before you. And uh, we thank you, Lord, for helping us uh, to see our lives and our families in, your, in the light of your life. God, that we may fully feel our call, our purpose, and our assignment, every individual, every family represented here in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. You may have your seat. Uh, Bishop Johnson and Lady Carolyn are with their friends in St. Louis. Uh, my Uncle Ray, uh, uh, Rayfield Green, he's uh, there. He's been there all weekend, actually. I think, I don't know when they come home, actually, uh, probably sometime this week. And uh, so keep your, your bishop and the first lady in your prayers. Um, and, uh, okay, all right. Um, and so it's important that you keep them in your prayers this, this morning. Uh, they will, they're traveling now, but they'll be home soon. Um, uh, just before we get started today, uh, I believe in, um, on September the 22nd and the 23rd, I think something special is going to happen in the house of the Lord. It is what we are calling a couple's detox. And it is going to be so good. I mean, so good. And uh, I want to encourage you to invite your friends and your family, those, those of your friends who are married, who are engaged, or who are long-term dating. Now, I say long-term dating, term dating, because if you, uh, you just getting into it, you don't want to smoke. I'm trying to help your life, all right? You don't want to smoke. But if you're long-term dating, you, uh, you may want to be in the place, and uh, it's going to be important that you're here. We're going to hear from my parents, uh, Bishop Johnson and Lady Carolyn Johnson, who have been married uh, this year. This is 70, what's this, 2003? So this year, it'll be 53 years in December that they have been married. 53, yeah, you can clap for that. 50, oh, come on, you can do better than that. Like you want of marriage that's going to last 53 years. Um, and so we're going to glean from their wisdom. We're going to be delivered from the things that, that will stop us from being, uh, uh, have great marriages. Uh, it, is, it, is, it is this church's um, commitment to make sure that we have healthy families. So you don't want to miss it. It's only 100 bucks. That's 50 bucks per person. That's going to take care of Friday and Saturday's registration for breakfast and lunch on, uh, on Saturday. Uh, on Friday, we're going to have fun. And then on Saturday, we're going to get to work. And so it's going to be important that if you are married, engaged, or long-term dating, or have homies, that are that status, you want to invite them to come out because it's going to be good. You do not want to miss it. Um, I, for one, am very excited. It'll be our first uh, because uh, we just hit two years in August the 8th. Yeah! Uh, and so uh, we were, we, we dipped up out of here. Listen, goodbye. Uh, dipped up out of here for, for our anniversary couples. It's so important that you take time for yourselves to celebrate what God is doing. I think you just take it on a regular basis. And so uh, we, we took a, a whole week and, and celebrated us 
And um, now that we're back, we're ready to work and ready to uh, invite some people because we got some people on our list that we've been praying for every day so that they um, can experience all that we have, uh, that God has for them. And so uh, uh, make sure that you're doing that. Listen, if you're single and you got married or engaged or dating couples, you make sure that you're inviting them. You too can be uh, uh, instrumental in, 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 in um, influencing other people's lives. So I think it's super important to make sure that you do that. That good? All right, cool. Um, and so, yeah. Uh, so let's get into, uh, oh, before that, before I do that, uh, as I've honored my parents and honored the Lord, let me just take a, a, a hot second, a hot second. Mm, that's what I wanted, a hot second in honor uh, the man of my life. Uh, besides Jesus, the king of my house, my home, and my heart. Uh, it is my honor uh, to, to love you, to serve you. Uh, I might be the one with the microphone right now, sir, uh, but I follow you wherever you go. And, uh, gotcha. You know, uh, one of the coolest things in, in, in the world right now, let me just speak it in the atmosphere, Frederick and I are making babies. That's what we're doing. That's what we're doing. <laughs> By the grace of God, that's what we're doing. Uh, and uh, I want you to watch the Lord give us this miracle. That's why I'm speaking it in. I'm speaking it to all of the world. I want you to watch the Lord give us this miracle. Because we are very clear on the fact that our relationship is a picture to all of the world. That even though you might be later in your days, God is still watching over you. And he is still careful to do exactly what he promised that he would do. And his word will not return to him having not performed what he said it would do. And when he does it, it will be good. In fact, until he does it, it ain't good. So that's what I'm just trying to tell you. Wait, child. Wait on him, Lord. I'm trying to help you. Just wait on him. He's going to do exactly what he said he's going to do. I'm sorry. And when he does it, it's going to be good. I'm sorry, real good. Oh, uh, uh, good. You understand what I'm saying? God bless America. Lord Jesus, I'm grateful. So good, I swear to Jesus. Uh, for the last few weeks, Bishop Johnson has been talking about family. And um, I have thoroughly enjoyed everything that he's been saying, been challenged by it as well. And so today I want to just uh, keep going with what he's saying. But there's no doubt that there is a war on the family. Anybody else feel like there's a war on family? Um, and so today we're going to take a bit, I, I just want to prep, prep you. Uh, Toya already made sure that you tapped your battery, which is very important because today I don't want to tell you new things. I just want to remind you of some things that you should have already known, and if you don't, you'll get to know them today. I, I, well, I want to take a, a bit of a heady uh, approach to the Word of God today. Is that okay? Um, I, I, um, I want to be known as one of those people in your life that challenges the way that you think, that challenges um, I don't want to tell you what to think. I want to tell you how to think. I want to remind you of the power of the Word of God. 
especially in light of all that you must face when you walk outside of this door. I want to make sure that you are armed with every tool that you will need to be successful in accomplishing God's purpose, God's call, and God's assignments on you and your family. For some of you are like Joseph, who you are the one of the only ones in your whole family that believes in God. And you are one of the ones who, are going to, who God is going to use to rescue your family. So you have to have tools that you need so that when you talk to them, when you encourage them, when you're answering their questions, when they come to you, because they always come to you, amen, that you have a ready word for them. Just like Joseph, who was stripped away from his family, so that when the proper time came, he was able to save his family. And when Joshua, when Joseph saved his family, he saved them for generations after that. But he had to go through some things in order for him to get to that point. Joseph is not who I want to talk about today. As much as I want to remind you of all the things and prove to you in this next couple of moments of why we desperately need God to deal with our families found a couple of statistics that are super important. Um, Kenny, I don't know how you have them listed. Uh, you could pretty much put them all up at once, all the way down to the here in America, before here in America if you want to. I don't know, you might want to take a picture of these stats. I'm just going to start reading them as, uh, as uh, he gets them uh, together. Divorce in America, check this out. For only 45 reporting states, that is, it's five, how many states is it in America? 51, that's why I didn't say it, because it's 51. So six states are not even reporting. Isn't that interesting? I thought that was interesting. 51 states, for 45 states, reporting states, there are an average of 750,000 divorces each year. That is absolutely crazy. In 2022, there was six, 189,308 divorces. Isn't that interesting? Pornography, check this out. One news report source said a popular uh, porn site received 30 billion, not million, but billion hits in one year, and children under the age of 10 account for 10% of all the visitors to porn sites. Before we go for any further, what is 10% of 30 billion? Too many children under 10. Those of you who have children, excuse me, those of you who have children and your children have phones, you may want to be careful. Pre-marital sex, check this out, 1964, only 10% of people were born out of wedlock. In, 19, in 2019, 80% of the people born in America were born out of wedlock. Between 2009 and 2019, the percent of births to unmarried women among adolescents of 15 through 17 increased from 94% in 2009 to 97% in 2019. Just 3% more, but 3% left? Lord, have mercy on us. Say, Lord, have mercy. I don't think I have to be um, 
even more explicit about how, how homosexuality is a clear breach of the biblical family. Abortion. More than 63 million babies have been aborted from 1973 to now. 63 million souls. Check this out. Pedophilia. 500,000 children are affected by pedophilia every year. 500,000 ch children every year. Anybody seen The Sound of Freedom? Oh, not, not enough of y'all. You need to go find the movie, The Sound of Freedom. Go find that movie. It will expose uh, what's really happening with regard to the pedophilia and how our very government is perpetuating this heinous, heinous crime. In here in America, the, premedi the premeditated destruction of the family has been underway for decades. Check this out. 1963, a congressman, Albert S. Herlong, Jr., this is what he read of uh, the 45 goals, communist goals for America. I'm only going to read five of them. These goals are include uh, the following directive as quoted from that record. This is in the, this is in the congressional record. Check this out. Number one, this is what the communist, 45 communist goals for America. Check this out. Number one, break down cultural standards of morality by promoting pornography, obscenities in books, magazines, motion pictures, radio, and TV. Tell me that ain't, that ain't what's happening. No cuss word is off the table anymore. Not one cuss word. You know, before it was only one or two they might say. And then about 10 years ago, it might be one or two they might say. And then there was only one they wouldn't say. And now they all off of the table because you just look at TV and you can see all of them. Number two, pre present homosexuality, de degeneracy, and promiscuity as normal, natural, and healthy. This is what they, this is what they, what they promised that they wanted to do. Number three, to discredit the family as an institution. institution and encourage promiscuity and easy divorce. Now you can get a divorce just because of irreconcilable dis differences. What? What, what, the, what the world is that? Irreconcilable differences, that means somebody didn't, you just didn't argue right or something, right? It's, a, it's so easy. Number four, emphasize the need to raise children away from the negative influence of parents. <sighs> if we aren't where, that was in 1963. How many years ago is that? This is 2023. How many is that? 40, 40, 60 years. 60 years. 60 years ago. They set out to do this, and now it is a reality. I got this, just in case you care, I got this from Fire on the Family Altar. I got all of these from Fire on the Family Altar, page 54, uh, um, written by Cheryl Sachs. Uh, Fire on the Family Altar, a very good book. You can find it on Kindle, uh, or you can find the hard pack. It's a very good book, especially those of you who are building family altars. Um, When the enemy shows you your, his hand, that means he is no longer afraid of you. 
when he is no longer keeping a secret to what he wants to do, he is no longer, he wasn't scared in 1963. We are just, we are, he, he's been planning this. The enemy plays the long game. And we have been playing the game that's short right there in front of our face. Right there in front of our face. And the Lord wants us to think differently about this. Uh, so today we're going to talk about the war, four weapons that are against the war on family. I believe I um, uh, gave you a, you got, you good with that, uh, that clip, homie? You know I had to show you something, right? All right. Uh, now, which one are you got to show? Because one I texted to you yesterday and one I sent you on the notes. Let's go for the, one of the notes. Let's go. Love this. You're going to love this. <laughs> sound, sound, sound. Real light. Ready? No sound. Come on, man. It's going to be so good. Look, you could look at his outfit and his hairstyle and feel like... I feel like that's 1963 right there. He gonna talk like it's 1963 too. He gonna talk good to you. You should have been listening in 1963. Now I wasn't here, but some of y'all was. But I wasn't here yet. Are we good? You need a couple of seconds? Stand by Houston. What'd you say? So I don't want to keep talking and go past it and then they get it for you. So what we're going to talk about today, keep working on it, let me know when you're good and we can go forward. Uh, today we're going to talk about four weapons. Uh, you ready? No, four weapons against the against the war on family. I think sometimes when you look at television, when you look at um, news reports, when you look at shows, TV shows and series, when you look at, when you listen to the music that is most popular, um, when you look at YouTube, it feels sometimes like it's overwhelming how much the enemy is coming against us. Did anybody else feel that way? I feel like we, it, it almost feels like we have an unfair advantage. We good? Lights went off, so does that mean that? Not yet? It almost feels like we have an unfair advantage. And I think sometimes uh, we fail to see the simplicity of the word of God as a weapon in the hand of God. Um, and I think, and I think sometimes we, we read the Bible and we only read scripture. Anybody read the Bible and only see scriptures? That should be everybody. <laughs> but sometimes there's so much more in scriptures than there are than, we, than what we read. I'm about to tell the video in just a minute. Can you good? 
like a minute or good. Okay, cool. Let's see the video because this is what I wanted you to see. You could do so much quicker than me telling it. And. What'd you say? Okay, so that's all right. Uh, I'm going to tell you what he said, all right? Um, man, he did it so much better than I feel like I'm about to do. I'm not finna, that is so ghetto, I'm not finna do that. All right, are you listening? Um, so the man was asked a question uh, the, it, he was in a debate and there's another man to ask him it was a real sarcastic question and the question had to do with how do how can you reconcile um, the existence of God in a material world how can you, how can we know that there is a God is basically the question that he was asking. And what I love about what this man did is he took the first 10 words of Genesis. The first 10 words of Genesis answers the question completely and totally. And basically, do you know what the first 10 words of Genesis are? I know you do. Sorry, is it what? In the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. Not you know the first ten words of the Bible. This is what it says. Say it with us. This is, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. This, with that one statement is an answer to so many questions. Don't even worry about it. I'm going beyond it. Let's go on to the notes. We're going to go. We're going to quit working on it. We're going to go. We're going to keep, keep it moving, all right? We into the notes now, all right? Uh, uh, so in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. Just that one statement is the answer, is a tool that we can use to defeat, not fight. You understand what I'm saying? Sometimes you, 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 you fight and you don't win. Sometimes you fight and you win. But I want to give you tools that fight and win. Those ten words, they defeat the enemy. Let me tell you how. Because in those ten words... There are three things that must exist at all times. That's space, matter, and time. Remember I told you we were going to do a little bit heady, all right? So click your, your intellect on. I want you to use your brain just a little bit. Uh, uh, space, matter, and time. Say space, matter, and time. Space, matter, and time. Say it. Space, matter, and time. Say space, matter, and time. It's interesting. This is a continuum of threes. It's a, it's a multiplication of threes. In time, there is past, present, and future. Feel that? In space, there is length, width, and depth. You feel that? It, uh-huh. In time, better, and matter, right? In matter, there is solid, liquid, and gas. Do you see the three of threes? Without one, the other cannot exist. So if you have one, you can't have the other. If I create something, when did I do it? And where did it go when I did it? 
There mu at all times, time, space, and matter must always exist. Now, what I love about this is in the beginning, there's time. Mm -hmm. God created the what? The heavens. There's space. Uh-huh. And the earth. And there's matter. In that one moment, we have everything we need to defeat the enemy. Oh. I want to help you to see how knowing this, when you are armed with this truth, you can face anything you need to face and absolutely obliterate all of your enemies. As a result of us understanding this, um, now, Kenny, did you get the, uh, the one from the text message? Are you ready for that one? All right, let's see if we can get some sound on this one. Listen to this as we go into the four weapons. That, that wasn't it. Do we have a problem, Houston? Oh, there it is. All right, don't worry about it. Focus on me. All right, you ready? Um, a couple of weeks, when, we, when Frederick and I, when we went to Texas, we went to Texas for, to Dallas for our honeymoon. I decided I can't stop. I can't, I don't know why anniversary just don't, it just don't translate to, I just, honeymoon just don't translate to anniversary. So whenever I think about my anniversary, I always think honeymoon. So I'm just going to say it's my honeymoon, all right? So uh, when we went on the honeymoon, we went and we, um, we spent, it was just the two of us for the first five or six days. Uh, we rented a Tesla. Uh, we had barbecue. We laughed. We went. We went, got in the pool. We we had the greatest conversations. Um, and uh, probably about six months ago, we decided Frederick and I decided to start praying once a week on on Tuesday mornings. It is the day that I have to get up the earliest. Um, and so I decided to get up a little bit more early so that uh, we can make do of the rest of the day. And uh, so I get up early on Tuesdays. But when we left, my Uncle Stevie and my Aunt Alicia, um, we, we felt the conviction of God on us to increase the amount of days that we pray together. Uh, the, the Bishop Johnson started this whole thing by saying we need to create a family altar. And so Frederick and I got real serious since we get been back from, uh, from, uh, from Texas. And now we pray every day. Um, and it's so interesting because it's been really sweet between us. Uh, we have a list of things that we, we made a list of things. We, we made a list under each of the lists, and we added scripture to each of the things we're asking God for. And we're just going to watch God do it. We're just going to watch the Lord do it. And we are watching the Lord do some of those things right now. In fact, we are making a baby. You understand what I'm trying to say? And so we, we've dedicated to inviting God into every aspect of our lives. And so we saw how the enemy has been trying to fight against us. And we decided to use some, uh, uh, some of these weapons so that, so that we can win. Say, I want to win. Do you want to win? All right, so let me give you these four these four. Uh, weapons. Lord, help me. Here we go. The first one, hear me, is called identity. I know. 
I know, it feels kind of underwhelming. Does, does it feel underwhelming to you? It's, a, it's an interesting word. Like I told you, we're going to be kind of intellectual today, just to pulling out these things. Identity is about your origin. It's about where did you come from? Genesis 1.27. Genesis 1.27. This is what it says. It says, God created man in his own image, in the image of God. He created him, male and female. Did you see how it's written there? Real, real clear. I think what the enemy or those that are call themselves any of us, they like to use the words against us because they're trying to redefine them. He says, God created him, male and female. He created, he created them. Man, I can't stop there, but there's a whole lot in that one, them, them few verses, isn't it? But I think you should be very clear. Just all that I want you to be clear about is we all are created in the image of God, and he created us male and female. Last week we understand that a woman is a man with a womb. Everybody understand that? Good. Verse 28, God blessed them and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the seas and over the birds of the sky and over every living, sometimes it says creeping thing that moves over the earth. All those all who scared of bugs and scared of snakes and stuff, God told you to be, he told you to rule over it. So I want you to test it and either put your foot on it or tell it to get out your house, one of the two. What I love about this verse is it reminds us that God is spaceless, timeless, immaterial, powerful, personal, intelligent, moral, and he is a creator that created all things. He is spaceless, timeless, immaterial, powerful, personal, intelligent, moral, creator, and he, is, and he created all things. Things. I love this. It's the way we have to think about God because if we think about God, somebody asked a question, who created God? Anybody wondering about that? No? That's very good because it's not a very wise question. I don't want to call you stupid. I just want to say that it's not a wise question, right? If, if, here's the deal. Uh, when you ask who created God, it assumes that God is like you. But if he is God, he never was created. And if he, and he, if he exists, he, he must have the ability to both be inside and outside of his creation. That's why he was God. In fact, that's what my man said, if we could have seen him. If you want to see the link, I'll make sure we post it or give it to you later. Basically, he said, you know, if in my, in my three or eight, eight pound brain, if, 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 um, if I am able to, to explain to you all that he is, then he is not worthy of my worship. That makes sense to you? That makes sense to you? He is so much bigger and on the outside of this world. And he's not, don't, don't let him lie to you, he's still involved. He's not just up there looking down low, waiting on looking at y'all act a fool and make fools of yourselves. But he is intimately involved in the details of your head. David said he knows the hair, the number of hairs on your head. And if that's the kind of God that we were created from, we were created in his image, then we have responsibility to behave so. If you know who you are, let's work the weapon. Let's work the weapon. Oh, oh before I do that, I, here's what I want you to see. If he's not random, because that's what the humanists and the evolutionists want you to believe is that he's random. 
I know, I know I'm talking about the family. I promise you I'm going to get there. If, it's, if, if we are the product of some random boom in the world, and now we go from, from fish to, to apes to people, if it's just that random, I, I'm sorry. You can't put a knife at the end, at the bottom of the ocean, and expect it to become an airplane over time. It's not going to happen. And therefore, if that's the kind of God that created you, you are not random. I know the circumstances of your conception and of your birth may not be something that you're proud of. But when God created you, he was thinking about what you would create, what you would do, what you would complete throughout this earth. He was thinking about who you would influence. He was thinking about what you would accomplish in this world. And he, did, he created you very special. When he made you, he broke the mold. Ain't nobody on this earth like you. And the moment you start behaving that the, that the spaceless, timeless, immaterial, powerful, personal, intelligent, moral, creator of the world, that one created you. When you start behaving like that, that makes you dangerous. Let's work the weapon. If you know who you are, then the enemy can't tell you who you aren't. If you know who you are, then you can't, uh, uh, Frank Turek said it, you know, the only reason why college students can be talked out of their Christianity is because they were never talked into it. This is about who you believe, who you belong to. I'm talking about your identity. As a black African-American woman, if I were to define myself like that, I'm at the bottom of the totem pole. If you, if you look at the world and how, who they say we are, I got to fight. And I got to be an angry witch with a capital B in order to get where I need to go. Because everything is against me, especially the white man. Seriously? We talked about it, we talked about it in class today. Does your skin color really have to do with your worth? Do you really need affirmative action? Because what it says is, it's, it's just because the color of your skin, you ought to be given certain things. And it is a lie. Why is it a lie? Because the God, because the spaceless, timeless, immaterial, powerful, personal, intelligent, moral creator of all things is the one who created you. And you are not random. Identity is the first weapon. Number two, purpose. Purpose is about meaning. What the meaning of life is. Why are you here? Why are you here? To get a good job, get a good education, get promoted, fight traffic, go home, cook you something to eat, watch TV till you use the bathroom, go to sleep and wake up and do it again. Is that why you're here? Oh, fight, work for 30 years, retire, 
and ain't gonna live in Florida till you die. Is that why you're here? First Peter 2, 9 through 12. Listen, I want you to experience this. Even if those of you who need to read it, I don't know if you're going to put it on the screen. First, uh, First Peter 2, 9 through, I think it's 12. I want you to hear these verses, and I want you to receive them as power into yourself. You understand me? When you read the word of God, that's how you ought to feel, that you were receiving power to accomplish what it says. This is what it says. But you are, but you are. I love the word but. Some of y'all need to go look and find out what he said before he said that but. It's so important because what he's talking about in that but is what you're not. Verse 9 says, but you are a chosen race. How many of you was always picked last when it was time to play the game? Red Rover, Red Rover. You know, you, just, you know what I'm talking about? You was always the last one picked. But the word of God says, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of the darkness into his marvelous light. For you were not, you once were not a people, but now you are the people of God. And you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy. How, how many of you experienced that mercy when it was new? When, it, when, that, when that sun came up this morning, you received that mercy. Thank you, Lord. Verse 11, beloved, I urge you as aliens and strangers to abstain from fleshly lusts, which wage war against the soul. Interesting. The physical lust wage war against your soul. Yeah, you may think having sex outside of wedlock is just a good massage. Let it come on you. But what it really is, is an inv invitation for the demonic in your life. It's an invitation to an addiction in your life. It's an invitation to cut short the call of God on your life. I want to bring a new value to those of you who have not given your body that way. Those of you who are virgins, God smiles on you today. Verse 12, it says, keep your behavior excellent among the Gentiles. Anybody in here a Jew? You are a Gentile. So that in the, in the thing in which they slander you as evildoers, they may, because of your good deeds, as they observe them, glorify God in the day of visitation. All I want you to see is that your purpose means you are accountable to God to how, for how you live. Mark Batterson says it this way. God's gift to you is potential. Your gift to God is what you do with your potential. God's gift to you is the ability, the gifts, the talents. Some of y'all can take a number and, 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 and multiply it and divide it and do that other thing with the, the divided thing with the little thing on the outside of it. Take an exponent and the square root of something or rather, and you can, then you can decide the fate of the whole world with a number. 
I'm confused. If you give me a number, that, the letter that equals a number, I'm confused. X is the first letter of xylophone. It does not equal 13. I'm trying to help you. That is not my gift. Oh, but if you give me a word, I can turn it into a book. I promise you that. The question is, what is your purpose? The question is, you are accountable for the gifts and the talents and the skills that God has given you. You are accountable to those things, not only to make wealth from them, because that is important. I want to encourage you parents to, to train your children to work from the ease of their talent instead of the sweat of your brow. Hear me, parents, do not tell your children they can do whatever they put their mind to. Don't tell them that. Because I know Spud McKenzie can, can dunk a basketball, but he had to pull himself up first before he could dunk it. And that's illegal in the game. My point is this, I will never be able to dunk a basketball. This physique was not made for that. Oh, but it was made to have babies. I don't know what it is today about it, but that's just what it is. I'm just gonna put it up, that's what it is today. So don't, don't, don't worry about it. It's gonna come up again, I promise you that. But I, I just want you to understand that God has given each and every single one of you something specific to do. And if you don't take what that is and influence the culture for Christ, then you don't get it. Because what God wants to do is use your individual things that God has created for you to do. And use that to influence others for the Lord Jesus Christ. That is your purpose. That is why you are alive. And I love my church because we are committed to making sure that you are accountable to God for the life that you live. Purpose is dangerous. God saves you to make you dangerous. Because the moment you know who you are and why you're here, sweetheart, you are a dangerous person. If you can get, if you can get focused on accomplishing that. Two more weapons and we're gonna get up out of here today. Number three, Lord help me, is holiness. Holiness. Holiness is about who defines what is right and what is wrong? Who and how do we define what is right and what is wrong? Because if you allow your feelings to decide what is right and wrong, let me tell you something, that is why the law exists. The law exists because of your feelings. Because some of y'all would have shot somebody last week if they did that one more time. You had it in your heart, didn't you? I know you did. If, they did, if you do that one more time in your, in your shanana, you felt like you was going to find something and pop somebody in their head if they did it just one more time. This is why the law exists. Because your, your identity, your, uh, your humanity has the propensity to do what is wrong. I got to dig in here just a little bit, just a little bit more. If morality exists, then God exists. Now, nah, huh? That's right, Samuel. You better get this now because what you are created to do, sir, it's got to be great in this earth. So listen to me. You can talk back to me. I'm already right with it. Now, nah, huh? If morality exists, then God exists. 
I just want to keep this simple and not get real too heady about it as much as I say this. In order, to, in order for something to be, to be known as wrong, you got to know what is right in order to know what is wrong. In order for something that is crooked, in order to know that it's crooked, you have to compare it to something that is straight. It's real simple. Story that I heard this week that I thought was important for this little part. An, an atheist professor wanted to prove to his students that God does not exist and that if he does, that he's evil. Interesting, huh? So the, the professor asked the students, does God exist? And they all answer, yes. He said, does evil exist? They said, they answer, yes. Did God create everything? The students answered, yes. God created everything. So he responded, if God created everything, then he created evil and is evil in and of himself. How many of y'all would have been lost right there? Lost. How do I answer this? I'm going to help you out, Marissa. It's going to be real simple. You might want to remember, remember this story because it's going to help you out. The professor answered, of course. I'm sorry. Uh, then God is evil, and he is evil in and of his heart. A student raised his hand and asked a question. So I got a question, and the question was, does cold exist? And the professor answered, of course. Haven't you ever been cold before? And the student answered, cold does not exist. Cold is the absence of heat. You measure a temperature by how much heat is in the atmosphere. The student asked, went further and asked another question. Does darkness exist? And the professor replied, uh, reply, yes. If I turn the lights off and the sun block it out, darkness does exist. I remember when I was a kid, I slept down, my brother not in here, I slept downstairs in the room. I had a room downstairs. I don't know if y'all remember. Anybody remember the house on uh, 3261 Harbor Woods Road? Mm-hmm. I had me, my room was downstairs, and told you it didn't have no windows. Let me tell you the loveliness. Anybody, how many have you ever, how many of y'all like naps? Anybody like naps, homeboy? Naps is one, listen, if you can get you a good nap, let me tell you something, on Tuesday, about 1.30 on Tuesdays, don't, don't text me or call me because I'm not going to respond because I'm taking me a nap. <laughs> I could go to sleep in this room, close the door, and the only light you could see was coming from the bottom of the door. So it was completely shut out. Now, when you take a nap, you can't take no three-hour nap now. Because if you take a, you a three-hour nap, you're going to be up all night. That ain't no, that ain't no nap. That was good old-fashioned sleep. <laughs> but when I, when I got in this dark room and took a nap, I could be three, four hours in that room. Sleep hard, not hearing. My mama got to stomp on the floor to call me for dinner because I'm asleep in this room because of the darkness in this room. Oh man, I, I don't, I, sometimes I kind of miss that now. <laughs> the, the darkness. Anyway, the student asked, does darkness exist? 
The professor replied, yes, darkness exists. The student answers, you're wrong. Darkness does not exist. Darkness is the lack of light. You measure darkness by the lack of light. The students took it back to the professor's original question. Sir, does evil exist? Of course it exists. Just look at one aspect of society, and that is crime. The student answered, evil does not exist, at least not unto itself. Evil is simply the absence of God. Evil is what happens when men don't have God's love in their hearts. Evil is like cold when there is no heat and darkness when there is no light. The professor sat down. You want to guess who that student was? Albert Einstein. Ain't that interesting? This issue of the holiness of God is so important because if you are holy, that gives you power. Holiness gives you power because if you know where you come from or who you are and you know what you're supposed to do, but you are incapable of doing it, then we got a problem. But holiness before God, I think the way that I want to, want to define it today is the fear of God. Holiness is the fear of God. I want you to keep that real clear in your mind. I want to read three quick scriptures. Holiness is the fear of God. Job 28, 28, he says, And to man, he said, Behold the fear of God, that is wisdom, and to depart from evil is understanding. Before I go there, well, I've already gone there, but I want you to understand what the fear of God is. You know, because we've been teaching it to you for a few years now, the fear of God is to hate what God hates and to love what God loves. That's what the fear of God is. I know it's to be scared of God and respectfully reverence him, but the moment you do something and he doesn't strike you down to hell, then you, you lose all that reverent fear. So do you really have the fear of God? Did I, did I go over your head? Uh-huh. You, when you have holy reverence of God, but then you do something that you know is against the Lord, but he don't strike you down to hell in that moment, or you don't receive the consequences of your sins in that moment, you start losing that holy reverence and start doing the things that he does not like. Uh -huh. So fear the fear of God, what it really is, is to love what God loves and to hate what God hates. That's what true holiness is, to live a life like that. When, when God can trust you with the privacy of your life, he don't have no problem trusting you with money. Because money doesn't do anything but put an exclamation point of who you really are. But if you have holiness, then God is, it's easy for him to trust you with your dreams. Holiness is very important because it's power. Job 28, Proverbs 14, 2, he who walks in the upright, uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious in his ways despises him. 
a capital H means God. Proverbs 23, 17, he who walks in the upright, uprightness fears the Lord, but he who is devious is in it. Oh, I did read that one. I read, it says the same thing, uh, 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 is despised by him. All I want you to know is that holiness is power. And I'm, I'm sorry, you need to walk outside that door as a person, as a father, as a mother, as a, as a parent, you need to walk outside that door and be able to execute at your job, in your conversations, in your relationships. You need to be able to execute the power of God. And what gives you the rights and responsibility, uh, uh, the, the privilege of handling that power is holiness. Have mercy. Last weapon, last weapon. Actually, let's talk about the first three really quickly to see if you were paying attention. The first one is what? Identity, Identity and that's about who you are. Number two, the what, the what is what? Purpose. Purpose, very good. That's about meaning, about why you're here. The third one is what? Holiness, Holiness which is about your morality. The last one I'll call it destiny. This is about eternity. Here's the question. Is there life after death? Yeah, I know there is, but sometimes we don't live like it. We live like we're going to live at least till we're 80-something. But I'm sorry, all the deaths that have happened, have happened in these last six months, all the people who we have lost, young and old, is proof that you do not know how long you are going to be here. I know what it is. Preachers have used the talking of hell to manipulate people to, to, to love God and live a holy life. But I'm sorry, a God that is spaceless, timeless, powerful, personal, material, immaterial, intelligent, and powerful, and creative, doesn't want you to love him under duress, under pressure. He wants you to love him out of, the, out of the love, out of the goodness, out of the choices of your heart. But sometimes he needs to impose the law upon you so that you can understand how good and how good you have it. Romans 2, 5 through 11. Now, I want you to, we're going to read this. It's going to be some tough stuff said in this verse. And I want you to remind you that I'm just a messenger. I'm just a messenger. And I want you to remember, and I want you to remember this because I think the preachers that preach, you go into hell, right? The preachers that preach that way because they were scared or trying to scare you into being a believer, I think their intentions were good, but their methods didn't work. Uh-huh, they did not work. Um, because some of y'all heard them preachers and went outside their door and lived exactly how you lived the night before. It didn't work. But I think there needs to be a rejuvenation of a reminder that this life is just practice for the life to come. People say, God knows my heart. Yes, and he judges your actions. And the prophet said that your heart is the most evil and wicked thing. God knows my heart. That's a way for you to, ex to be excused yourself out of being able, being able to live a life of holiness before God. That is why, that is what is going to distinguish us from them. 
And when I say them, I mean those who need God. I'm not trying to make you better than them. I'm trying to make you so holy that whatever you pray with and whatever you what, 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 whatever happens in a conversation between you and them, that there's favor in between you. And that when you start praying and rebuking that stuff that is over their life because of the holiness that is inside of you, it happens. Because there's no difference between who you are privately and who you are publicly. And now God can trust you with power. Yeah. Romans 2, 5 through 11. Listen, I'm just a messenger. But because of your stubbornness, some of y'all is hard-headed. My Uncle David used to say, you got a hard rock water head. No, that's a hard head. You got a rock and a water head? That's a hard head. Because of your stu stubbornness, and an unrepentant heart, you are storing up wrath for yourself in the day of wrath, the revelation of the righteous judgment of God. Lord, help us. Who will render to each person according to his deeds? To those who, who by perseverance in doing good seek for glory and honor and immortality, the karma means they will receive eternal life. Verse 8, but to those who are selfishly ambitious and who do not obey the truth, but obey unrighteousness, wrath, and indignation, they will be, there, there will be tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil. Of the Jew first and also of the Greek. I love Paul for writing it this way because he's talking about holy people and those who ain't holy. But glory and honor and peace, to, I'm sorry, right there, he leveled the playing field. He don't care what color you are. The judgment is going to be the same. The standard is Jesus. And he judges us by that. Verse 10, but glory and honor and peace to everyone. But glory and honor and peace to everyone who does good. To the Jew first and also to the Greek. For there is no partiality in God. How can a loving God put such harsh conditions on us? How can he allow such evil? That's why people behave this way, because they're behaving out of evil. How can he just kill them off? Well, if God lives in eternity, he's not killing them. He's just transporting them from one place to another. Went over your head. That's all right. Think about it. If there's no life after death, if there's no hell or heaven, then you can live however you want to live. If there are no consequences, then, then quit coming to church. It's pointless. Quit believing in Jesus Christ. Who cares what he did at Calvary if there are no benefits thereof? If hell and heaven is a reality, then you better be careful with how you live on this earth. What decisions you make in the privacy of your home and in the public for everybody to see. Some of y'all ain't got no shame about what y'all do. Where they do that at? I mean, you just do it in front of everybody. What is, what is, what is, what? I'm thinking about the stuff that comes across your feed. What? I, I, a couple of months ago, I started unfollowing people. Uh-uh. 
And some of y'all who keep following them is because you want that stuff to keep coming up on your, uh, on your feed, on your algorithm. You done set your algorithm to bring that up for you. Somebody said, I think it was Bird, lust cannot be fought. It must, you must run from it. That's what the Bible says. Flee! Flee don't mean like this. Some of y'all playing double dutch with y'all lust. Uh, uh, uh. And God is saying there are consequences for your actions. I'm talking about the weapons that fight against the enemy. As a person and as a family, as parents, we have a responsibility. Oh, Lord, that you would give us the responsibility of raising children who will know who they are, who know what they're supposed to do to value holiness and who will execute your kingdom in this earth. God, that you would give us the responsibility, the ability to do that. I just don't want to see a beautiful face that looks like Frederick with those brown eyes and that big old smile and that heart that loves and serves everybody. I want to see me a, a baby that does that and I want to spank that butt. You understand? Because, because I'm not counting the three because the judge, because the, 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 your boss ain't going to count the three. I'm one, two, when I get the three, I'm going to fire you. No! I'm sorry, sweetheart. Teach your children to color in the lines. I just want them to be expressive. Well, when they get 16, they got to drive in the line. <laughs> Trying to help y'all. Talking about creating families who are dangerous. Families who are dangerous because we have accepted the call of God on our lives. And that we know who we are. We know why we're here. We have taken the painstaking effort to be holy. Holiness according to the Lord. Loving what he loves and hate what he hates. I want you to hear very clearly. There isn't a person on earth that God hates. I want to be real clear. There isn't a person that has ever existed that God is like, Hmm, I'm just going to send them to hell because what they live like. Not one person. In fact, he ascribed your value. Hebrews 6, 9 says that he could swear by no one greater. So he swore by himself. He, he couldn't even spend no money for you. But he spent his own innocent blood. I'm sorry. If you tap my blood, it ain't going to be no good for you. No good. Good luck. Oh, but if you tap the blood of Jesus, God sent himself and therefore assigned you the highest value. You see that? Because he thought so much of you, but because he thought so much of the way he wants you to behave, both privately and publicly, because of what you are supposed to accomplish outside of this room. He did what he did on the cross so that we can have people and families who are an example of what the kingdom of God 
really looks like. Somebody said, what is the kingdom of God? Without getting into it too far, because we can have to spend another hour on it. What we can say about it, it is the, the execution of God's authority in our lives. That is for us to behave both privately and publicly as he has prescribed and for us to accomplish the assignment that he has given us for us to do. Some of you guys need to beef up your holiness because there's power that you need from God to do what you need to do. Some of you guys need to remember who you are so that you can quit acting like them. Tell like my cousin said, quit trying to be like every, uh, quit, quit trying to do everybody else. They are taken. Do you. Everybody else is taken. And the you that God has made you, he wants to make you dangerous. Started by saying those of some of you are Joseph in your family. That is you are the one who must go after your brothers and your sisters who know God, but who need to be reminded of who he is and now therefore how they must live. Some of you guys are not sure you may be unsure about where you're going to spend life after eternity. Yeah, it's a thing that makes us dangerous. And it's important for us to execute this life, in this life, outside of these four walls. This is not the game, ladies and gentlemen. This is the locker room. It is where we come to sharpen our tools so that when we exit this room, we can truly live a life that God is pleased with. I promise you, if you please God, you ain't going to have no problem, no problem with the life that you live out here. You're going to have everything you need, but you're going to need to, you're going to, you only have to do it his way. I feel like you, Elder Yule, when you said last week, and I quote, well, I think I've given you the word of the Lord. Some of us may need to respond to it really quickly. Some of us need to say, you know what? Uh, this, I need to beef up my holiness. I need it to be reminded of who I am. Some of us need, uh, the holiness is beefed up because you have come against a wall when it comes to uh, fully feeling your, your, your call, your purpose, and your assignment. And you need to, to beef that up. Uh, you need to go to the Lord regarding that. Some of, you, um, some of you are not very clear about where you're going to spend eternity. And you need to accept Jesus Christ into your life. You've had him as Savior. Savior is more like an afterthought. You done messed up now, Jesus save me. If you, if you just get me out of this one, Lord, I'll never do it again. Some of you guys need to make him your Lord. That is, he's involved in the details of the decisions that you make before you ever make them. So you need to ramp up that. You know, it scares me. I talked about it, I've been talking about it for a couple of weeks. It scares me when the word of God says, you will do miracles in my name. You will cast out demons in my name. But when you get to heaven, God the Father will say, I never. Who are you? I don't want him to say that about me. So I want an error on the side. All the way right. 
You know what I mean? I want to be all the way on the right side. I don't want to walk. Some of y'all walking that line. <laughs> walk, walking that line, hoping to get to heaven smelling like smoke. I promise you it ain't going to happen. I'm not in control of who goes to heaven or hell. But I am responsible to tell you the truth. And you are responsible for what you know. Have mercy on us. You are responsible for what you know. If there was any amount of conviction for you today, um, why don't you stand in your seat? If there was any amount of conviction for you today regarding any of the four tools, any amount of conviction for you personally, you can stand in your seat. Things that you know, Lord, I'm glad that you would deal with that. You would deal with my identity. You would deal with me about the things that I know I need to be doing that I haven't been doing correctly. God, I thank you for dealing with me about the things that I've been trying to do, but my level of holiness hasn't, hasn't quite unlocked the door or, or given me the key to unlock the door to the rest of my dreams. And maybe you needed to be reminded that there are consequences for your decisions. In, in this holy moment, what you want you to do is you raise your hands before the Lord as a sign of surrender. That's what we do is we raise our hands as a sign of surrender. Now, to me, I know what it is. You're worried about how long I'm going to be talking. But to me, this ain't surrender. Uh, you know what I mean? Somebody got a gun at your back or whatever, and this is not what I'm doing. I don't have a gun at your back. God does not want you to follow him with a gun to your back. But as an act of surrender, like you need the Lord. Lord Jesus, you see our hearts. You see what we need to have dangerous families that can be used for your glory. We don't want to live the same old Christian life that has been lived up to now, but we want to have a life that pleases you. We want to have a life that privately pleases you and that publicly is an, is an exclamation of who you are and what you are capable of. Lord, let the conviction of the Holy Spirit come upon you, us. Not, Lord, just because I'm saying it, God, but because you want more from our lives. And that you want us to prove to the world that your will is good, acceptable, and perfect. Lord, we want to be examples of people who are yielded to your heavenly agenda. We want to live a life that you are pleased with. We want to be picked to play the game. And we don't want to be picked last because you feel like we're weak. But God, would you go come to us in our private lives before you are devotions? And God, would you speak to us? Deal with the things that do not please you. Deal with the things that we love and you hate. Deal with the things that we love, you hate, and we love. Put the fear of God in our lives. God, that we may have the power to execute according to your will. Lord, we don't count it strange, but we do count it a privilege that you would choose us in this hour. We thank you, Lord, for giving us what we need to be obedient to you. Thank you, Lord Jesus. And if you would, repeat after me. Uh, Lord Jesus, I admit that sometimes 
that I have done this life without you. But I admit that I failed without you every time. But today, I believe in the Lord Jesus Christ and what he did on the cross at Calvary. And because of what he did and because of what I believe, I, I make you again the Lord of my life. Lord, come into my life and remove everything that displeases you. And I confess that I don't want you to just be my Savior, but I want you to be my Lord. Come, Lord Jesus, in a new and a fresh way in my life, that I may please you both privately and publicly. In the name of Jesus, amen. Now, if that was something that you, that you said to either um, rededicate yourself to the Lord or to dedicate yourself to the Lord, if that's something that you did, to, that you said to either rededicate yourself or to just dedicate yourself for the first time, will you remain standing if you would? You remain standing if you would.